Hi, welcome to Hints of Gladness. I'm your host, Rod Jans. In our current series of podcasts, we're exploring the topic of contemplation. What does it mean, and how does it impact the way we show up in the world? I'm hoping that these conversations will be a contemplative experience. So I invite you to join us, engage, and be open as we discuss my guests' spiritual journeys and their contemplative experiences. My guest today is Deb Art. Deb's background is in education. She spent 18 years in a high school classroom. She served as a pastor of spiritual formation and offered many workshops and retreats. She continues to companion others in spiritual direction. Deb lives on an acreage outside of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan with her husband, Laverne. They have two adult sons and a loving daughter-in-law and a precious granddaughter named Savannah. Deb enjoys nature, hiking, deep connections with others, belly laughs, reading, good food and drink, and her Bernie's mountain dog, Ralph. Many of my guests in this series on contemplation have been partners with SoulStream. Deb is SoulStream's executive director. Prior to becoming executive director, Deb served on SoulStream's leadership team from 2011 to 2017 and has co-facilitated Living from the Heart, which is a course that many of my guests who are from SoulStream have mentioned because of its impact on their lives. She led this course for more than 10 years. So please help me welcome Deb Art. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Hints of Gladness. As you would have heard in my introduction, my guest today is Deb Arndt. And um, you probably also would have heard that Deb is the executive director for SoulStream. And three out of four of my guests so far have been SoulStream <laughs> people. And it's it's interesting, Deb. I think we're doing a good job of promoting SoulStream because uh, <laughs> I, I told you in our pre-conversation that I was together with some people and, and they were had heard the podcast and were inquisitive about soul stream and stuff like awesome. that. So awesome. <laughs> we might have to pay you for some free marketing and advertising. <laughs> <laughs> we're promoting the cause and it's we're my promoting. pleasure to do so because yeah. I've gotten so much out of soul stream and, and love that community as well. So mm-hmm. welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's uh, good to be with you. <laughs> We've been starting these conversations with a moment of silence. And as I almost say, it's almost counterintuitive as far as a podcast or anything sort of radio related is concerned, but um, let's, let's do that now. I want to invite you into just a couple moments of silence and then the people who are listening as well, please, please join us. And then I'll ask you sort of what's surfacing for you today as, as we do that. And then, and our guests, I'd love for our guests or for our listeners to pay attention to that too. So I don't have a bell or anything. Let's, let's just begin.
Thank you. Mm, yeah. So what's what's surfacing for you, and what's uh, I know you said you you have a longing to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just looking out the window, so that went longing. <laughs> strongly but yeah yeah you know isn't it remarkable how whenever I pause to do that uh how colliding my inner space can feel just in that moment you know it's it's like I know I take the deep breaths I'm envisioning that breath moving down through my core right down to my feet grounding me here and then sort of in a split second of um non-attentiveness to that I guess it's like when you're driving and you you look up at the speedometer and all of a sudden you're going 120 because your foot's just gotten you know heavier and heavier on the accelerator and that's how it kind of feels is my oh my thoughts were already way down a path of what well Rod's probably going to ask me that and what might I say there and what am I going to sound like and I don't know if I have anything to say and it's like oh I got to breathe again you know, put off the accelerator um, I just need I just need the reminders over and over and over again um, yeah I'm grateful even for this little bit of time to yeah. it's so interesting what surfaces isn't it it's like oh I didn't know all of that was going on exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, during these times, I haven't typically given any instruction um, to people about what to do during times of silence, and it might be new for some people. And I think there's so many different ways to approach it. But you mentioned some things there. Do you kind of have <laughs> this was on the spur of the moment. So I wonder yeah. what what is there something that you typically do? I know that probably changes all the time, but yeah, you, you, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it does change. And though I would say in the last well, a few years especially, I have become so much more aware of my body's participation mm. uh, in that time of silence. And um, I am uh, gifted slash harassed with monkey brain. Um, I've known that about myself for a long time. And I think that for me now, when I enter silence, just starting right there with the sense of the breath, having it be something so tangible um, and something I can focus on. Um, and so uh, it has become a way to enter uh, and to bring myself, I it feels like, to greater centeredness and greater presence to the silence. It's not a magic trick. Like I just shared with you, I started, it was feeling pretty good. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, and then, but I, it's also something I can return to. So that's part of what I do. So often I do have that uh, inner sensation of like feel the breath travel in through nose through mouth you know down into sort of belly um, and I've been working more on that sensation of the breath going right down to my feet as a grounding sort of stabilizing presence and then back up and out as a reminder that I am a participator in this world that I've mm -hmm. been placed in and so it it really is a way to bring myself, I think, to the present moment a little more strongly and also uh, into an embodied sense of my own presence and participation right here, rather than the than the flinging off and the, and the inner dialogue that says, be quiet, brain, could stop thinking about all those things. And uh, yeah. which I don't find that helpful in the moment.
I'm, I'm just thinking as we're talking here, we, um, we haven't really spent I, with the other soul stream people that I've talked to. I've spent quite a bit of time for, with them mm-hmm. and going into this, I knew their stories, but I don't really know your story wow. all that much, but, um, and it leads me to our next question and who or what were some of your spiritual influences when you were younger? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yes. We haven't had enough time to spend together. Rob. It's, uh, my loss for sure. And hopefully, um, <laughs> Mine too. You're somebody I'd love to get to know yeah, know better. Be times. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's such a good question. Part of me feels like um, I was born with sort of a, a a yearning or a longing or I don't know a spiritual awareness. I I'm not sure how else to describe it. I remember being fairly young and particularly in the outdoors, particularly through the through the lens of creation, of nature, uh, feeling (laughs) things that I couldn't give expression to. I just knew they felt like they held me and uh, uh, nourished me and and called something deep within me as well. So I would have to name that um, nature, creation, the outdoors uh, has always been one of my spiritual mentors, one of my influences long before I might have even had any sense of being aware of that. Um, I I did have church experience that also influenced me, influenced my spiritual life. Um, I grew up in the United Church of Canada. That's where my my grandma and my mom, um, you know, and they were faithful, uh, Southern Manitoba. Um, And there was something grounding about that. My own family story is... um, has its complexities. Uh, my I was the sixth of six girls, and uh, my oh, father. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of blows my mind, actually. But uh, and my my mom and dad had a very volatile. My dad was an alcoholic when I was very young. Um, they split in a I think rather violent sort of uh, circumstance. I never met my dad. I never. Wow was a very um, complete severing, even though the families were all from small town Southern Manitoba. And so I, I have a, a, a pretty strong understanding that for my older sisters, there were, there, were, uh, there were pieces of that that are not part of my experience. I think I was almost shielded by being, you know, one and a half or however old I was. Um, so I did grow up, you know, with, and in that, in those days, 60s, 70s, Divorce was not as common, even knowing how to talk with someone around the absence of a parent in a situation like that. And not only the absence as in the marriage having broken down, the complete absence. Like I had no relationship, never met my father and my mom never remarried. And so I just never had any kind of um, male fatherly figure, you know, in that way in my life. So there was something about the church experience that I do remember early on. we when we my mom moved us to Brandon and we attended a, an old church there Central United and it was one of those old churches with a massive pipe organ and the old wooden pews you know and, and a relatively large church um, and I remember sitting in those pews and you know feeling um, almost feeling the grooves of people's bodies having been present there before and the <laughs> yeah the places where varnish has worn off you know because there's been and 
and somehow feeling connected to a story that was much bigger than mine. And you felt you felt the cloud of witnesses or something like that. <laughs> and I felt the and smelled almost right that that sense of the ancientness of this God relationship of this um, awareness. And so I feel really grateful for that. Um, I, I can't say I always loved going to church or understood it or anything like that. And and but there was something about that that I think was influential for me even as I continued on the on the journey in that way so you know I would name those things as being from my young years influences on my spiritual life for sure mm. cool what eventually drew you to contemplation what yeah 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 that's a great question I, you know I never knew anything <laughs> about contemplation like I didn't even know it was a thing that people <laughs> I yeah. have a um a more evangelical experience through lifeguarding at a church camp when I was um, mm -hmm. 16. And um, I, I would say as a bit of an aside, I probably have been grateful having had the, you know, the, the sacred space of bearing witness and listening to other people's stories that I don't have, I'm not a recovering evangelical in that same way that many, many people talk about it. And there's something in me kind of grateful for that. Yeah. But because it was a little later in life, even because of the kind of experience I had in it, it just did, does hasn't carried some mm. of the same maybe um, harmful, hurtful, or confusing even elements in that same way. I'm kind of grateful for that. But I did have a sort of evangelical encounter at a at a Bible camp that I lifeguarded at, and. Um, and so attended, my husband and I attended in Saskatoon here, a small little church and that community is to us also very formative for me um, through my 20s. And But there was something in me that always felt this sort of insatiable longing for God. I guess that's how I'd put it. I also would say it was partly always framed through um, through through the idea of transformation. Like I was so, for myself and others, just something around that, I am sometimes embarrassed to admit, but one of my favorite shows for a while was What Not to Wear. Um, and I was always felt it was so superficial until I kind of got that realization. I don't know if you've ever seen episodes, but it was often about something deeply transformative that they would get talking with the person and the way in which they presented themselves, you know, visually, it was so tied to, and there was just something always in me longing for my own transformation, but also for, for others to live into the fullness of the life that you know they were created to experience um but i really again still never knew anything about contemplation per se um i had a, a, a in my early 30s a, a good friendship that dissolved in a very troubling kind of way and i went off on a retreat again didn't really have never done this didn't know anything i'm going to go have a silent retreat at a cap cabin for a while and i pulled off the shelf at the christian bookstore uh julian of norwich's revelation of love knowing, oh, wow. knowing nothing about any of it you know when i oh, took, wow. took that to a cabin yeah and yeah. Um, and it was a transformative experience reading the book um being given breath prayers out of some of her words and um yeah being grounded I again I wouldn't have known that there was anything called a breath prayer but being grounded in something that just inherently and intuitively pulled me 
uh, to that way of being. Um, so I feel in a way like it was always within me, <laughs> which is ironic because I often feel like I'm not a very good contemplative. I, I, I love the idea in theory and I'm not that good practitioner at all. And so, uh, but my, my more direct exposure came when um, I, I was a high school English teacher. I had left my um, position, not out of I loved my job, but just had some sense that there might be some other things I was to be about. And uh, someone had told me about Soulstream's spiritual direction training course. And so I, knowing nothing about spiritual direction, nothing, did a little looking into it, did a little chatting with a good friend of mine, Rob Peterson, who is also a Soul Stream partner. And he connected me with Jeff Himbach. And I signed up kind of last minute and off I went to this week long intensive at Kingsfold, <laughs> um, not really having a, much of a sniff at all about what it might be. You know, and there, Oh, people like Jeff and Steve and Andrea Kastner, like they just cracked something open in me watching the way they were, the way they lived, the way they treated the people around them, the way they experienced their relationship with God. And I just knew it smelled really lovely. And I wanted more of that. And then I became more aware, oh, this this way of being is kind of known as contemplative, you know, spirituality or whatever. I would say, I have to add, I was drawn to it, but early on, I had a couple of experiences with it too, where I could see how it could become just like any other way of entering into relationship with God as a way of wanting to, uh, I'll say, solve your problems or have the formula or um, in one of the first intensives, it got said a lot by participants, mostly like, oh, all is gift. And I could just feel inside myself this like aversion, reactive aversion when people would say this, all oh, this gift and everything. And after a while, I realized that's what was going on there, that I, I didn't want to just become someone who felt like, well, oh, all the everything's just gift, you know, and you just come to that point where you say all is gift. And I mean, I, I probably have a deeper understanding of how that works itself out, even in my own um, mixed experience. But um but I wasn't looking for just an, you know, some kind of way of, uh, of solving my life experiences. I, I was drawn to the sense that, that it was possible that God and I could live out of a deep, loving, centered, um, full, total, integrated experience. And, and so that's a, that's a little bit of that to me. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting, like you started off in the beginning of our conversation talking about spiritual influences. You kind of see that thread throughout your life where you're being drawn or or whatever and yeah. and and uh and willing to do things in a way. It, it like willing to do to just take a risk. And I you said a few times, I knew nothing about this, but I went and did it. And yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I told you about the in our pre-conversation about how getting together with some friends, and that was one of the topics, is how um just how God leads us and can just be our teacher and, and that sort of thing, you know, and nature can be our teacher. And, yeah. and sometimes we, we are led outside of formal religion or whatever, yeah. or even without mentors or spiritual directors that if we're open, uh, God, there, God leads us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would 100% agree with that, but mm. that there's, 
we participate and it and we we're not the one causing it to happen mm -hmm. and i feel like i'll spend my whole life a little bit in that dance being reminded that yes you know, that god genuinely does it all initiates it all right. um offers the fullness of love at all and i and i am invited to participate and my participation is crucial and i don't ever want to and yet it's also not what makes any of it um sort of my real lived experience, except that maybe I become more consciously aware of it through my participation, I suppose. But I, I, I agree with what you say. We and we all have different paths, you know, we we they unfold in a way. I remember bumping up against my first Hafiz poem, and it might have been in my first um uh spiritual direction intensive. And I was thinking about this earlier in light of this conversation and and the poem was called Keeping Watch. And I'll just read it quickly. It's a brief little Go for it, yeah. one. But I because I feel like in a way it articulated something that had been my lived experience, you know, for a long time. And the poem goes like this. In the morning, when I began to wake, it happened again. That feeling that you, beloved, had stood over me all night keeping watch. That feeling that as soon as I began to stir, you put your lips on my forehead and lit the holy lamp inside my heart. <laughs> nice. Feels like that's an expression of something that I was experiencing long before I could have ever uh, articulated it. Yeah, awesome. What do you think has changed in your life as a result of your contemplative practice? Has it change the way you're showing up in the world it's interesting that you mentioned jeff and steve and you know i've seen that too right like they they have a different energy if you want for, for lack of a better term but uh you know i, I don't know it's so anyways what 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 have you noticed in your own life yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you know one of the things for sure i notice is that there's been a gentle, compassionate weaning from my many attachments. <laughs> and that is fruit of the contemplative life. Um, maybe just to name two, I would name uh, the attachment to needing others to provide me with my value and worth. Um, you know, again, maybe somewhat out of my upbringing, out of a, you know, created my Enneagram center or whatever it's there's been a lot for me in just questioning inherently my yeah my my likability even let alone my lovability let alone my belonging or you know place with people yeah, so and that the contemplative gift for me has been um doesn't mean it doesn't show up but something else shows up alongside it very um uh, tenderly as well and that for sure has been a freeing healing kind of experience that I continue to journey in I think one of the other ones I'd name was, is my attachment to being wise <laughs> um, and you know what it might even be my attachment to being seen as wise which might be connected to the first one too a little bit different you know but I know for me there's been something around uh, the contemplative way of being, um, maybe giving me the courage to really see those things for what they are. Um, and, the, and then again, knowing 
that my value is apart from that. And that when I'm pushed around by an attachment like that, it never bears fruit for me or for the others I'm with. And so that awareness. And and I think in that way, I would say that's the third thing. The, the contemplative life definitely has attuned me more to the way I'm impacting others. And by others, I mean other the world, creation, other people. Um, and that's that's been that's an ongoing journey as well to kind of find the way in which I'm invited to 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 take some action, whatever that might be, in the smallest a of the word, but sometimes pretty strongly in what that looks like to be someone who who tries to lean towards loving, healing, just, truthful, honest presence in the world. And um, and again, that's a journey I'm still on, but I know that the contemplative life is has um, made me far more able to listen to what's surfacing there for myself. And yeah, I'm grateful for that. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing. That's kind of a vulnerable way of sharing with the changes that have taken place to to talk about your attachments that you've had to let go. So yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Of course, you've got a contemplative community. I introduced you as as being the executive director of of Soulstream, and um, you know, a lot of people. Well, I, I'll just allow you. To, I, I not allow. I'd like you to answer that. So, and then I have a follow up question to that. Um, so, what does contempt? What does community look for? Like, look like for you and contemplative community in particular? Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yes, I am very grateful for my soul stream contemplative community and have been since my first encounter in 2007 when I took that spiritual direction um, training. Um, largely because it, although we are a dispersed community, which does have its own kinds of challenges. I know I listened to people talk about being together at the partner gathering this year, and I was unfortunately not able, able to be there. And we know that there's something about being in the physical presence of one another that deepens our, our sense of, of togetherness. Um, but as a dispersed community, sometimes even just here in my home in Saskatoon, I have such an awareness of people and their faces and voices scattered across the States and Canada, really, who long to be oriented and whose desire is to live in this particular way. And sometimes we only have our desire. It's not based on how well we're doing it. It's simply this orientation and longing and willingness to say, this is how I want to show up in the world um, to myself and to others, to the world. So that is a gift, um, that in and of itself. But so are all the tangible moments, um, most of them on screen, on Zoom, but you know, moments of checking in with people or peer supervision group or um, from in the position I'm in now, even times with the leadership team or the board or like there's just a soul stream is grounded in a way of being that um, that seeps itself. That it's it, it's the DNA of all the times that hopefully we're together and I would hope that would remain and I experienced that. So I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, I've been grateful here in Saskatoon as well. Um, for people who also are on the journey. So um, a community of spiritual directors through Queen's House Retreat Center here, soul care group that, you know, created space for one another to linger in contemplative experience and to share what emerged there, that kind of way of being. So uh, yeah, I do feel grateful. It, you know, there has been times I've also felt the, 
the paucity of it in my my immediate experience you know as in like I'd like to just go for a walk with someone and have a particular kind of conversation and sometimes like oh I'm not really sure right here who that would be you know today and um and yet I think I've also been encouraged to just look for where it actually is there more than I might recognize it sometimes so yeah yeah Did you just you just went to Iona, right? Did you were you there? Yes, yes. Yeah. And yes. you posted a beautiful reflection by Rob Peterson on Friday to the yeah. Soulstream partners. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you to Yeah, to Iona. Oh my yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, it makes me think of what Maureen Miller said in the post a month ago, because she was also on that trip. You know, mm -hmm. what was this thing that just happened? This, <laughs> this thing, you know, out of a poem too of something that just smelled like stones and anyway it just it was quite the experience um i'm still letting it read me and reading it you know letting it i was gonna say i was gonna ask are you still unpacking is it you're still unpacking yeah, it there's, of, still, yeah. there's still room for it to or it, it maybe in a way this is how it always is right how the way how whatever is coming to us as experience continues to unfold itself now sometimes a remarkable experience like traveling to iona just carries a much weightier sort of sense of all of that. Um, so I, I am aware of that, but I'm also really aware of how um, God has just deepened in me again, a sense of both the ancient, what I was talking about earlier, but also, and nature and discover because it was so incredibly beautiful and the sense that God is just showing up in a lot of um, ordinary kind of moments too, right. Of being with people and, laughter you know rob wrote about the playfulness and the, yeah yeah you know, it seemed like it was pretty unstructured was it unstructured for you yeah, too like just was. to go out yeah yeah it really we had the days we gathered as a group you know at, towards the end of the afternoon every day just to have some gentle sharing around one and just just yeah. a lovely group of people 20 of us and um yeah i i feel enormously grateful for the yeah, for the trip, for sure, and for all that's continuing to stir in me. Cool. I just want to say that, like, you're one of the facilitators of Living from the Heart. I've experienced your facilitation at, um, like, Soulstream does a retreat training type of deal. So that's 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 where I've spent the most time with you is at that yeah. that particular retreat. And um, I'm just going to give you some kudos here. You're you are you're a great facilitator. You're an amazing wow. trainer. So. Uh, it was you. it was really neat to participate in that and see you in action. So <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. You know, it's one of the I often laugh that that getting to facilitate living from the heart year after year is one of my grounding contemplative practices. I need the return. I mean, it's not so much about content, but it is to the material too. The return to these foundational, you know principles almost these this way of being I long to be and I also am so shaped by whatever group of people so even having you name that it's like I remember that experience and I can picture the room and things people brought and how that just deepens and, and enlivens even more as well my own journey um so it's a yeah I feel yeah uh distinct well lucky uh blessed and lucky all at the same time I feel that gift and that I get the incredible privilege of 
uh, working um, with Living from the Heart. Yeah. Yeah. I just an aside at that event, I think Jeff had brought the picture of the Trinity, you know, and it's by a Russian painter. I can never remember his name, but um, anyways, the long and the short of it is I had a significant experience with that, with yeah. that painting and it stayed with me. Like it's something I can return to over and over again. I just imagine myself crawling up onto that table. Yeah. Do you have it there? You have it right there. I yeah. You have it right here. Yeah. It's <laughs> for sure. One of my, uh, Oh, there you go. Grounding and, and yeah. invitational. And I feel such a part of it. And I'm so yeah. grateful that, that God is relationship right from, mm -hmm. from the beginning of all. And yeah. we are invited into that relationship. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thanks for, thanks for sharing <laughs> that. I love knowing that, that that's stuck with you. It's one of those images, like you mentioned, even about your experience in Iona, is that um, it different things are continue to be revealed about it. You know, if you just return to it, if I just return to it in my imagination and spend yeah. some time with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, we're getting on with time here, but I, I do want to ask this question is just what are some contemplative authors that have impacted you that you'd like to mention today? Oh, man. You, you, <laughs> you look you look giddy with that question. Well, I'm almost, I can't even begin or it would just last forever, you know, but yeah. Uh, and, and I knew you had mentioned that you might ask that. And, and I was just like, oh my goodness. I, you know, and, and I, you know, like Nowen and um, Benner and uh, Merton, you know, like just some Kathleen Norris, like I'm sure the names even just stir in you certain mm -hmm. things over the years as well. But, but kind of what I feel more drawn to mention is, just really current because I kind of feel like it just shows up everywhere. Yeah. In some ways, if you're sort of open to that, I do love poetry. So lots of times I will turn to poetry as a, as an entry point, but just recently I read a lovely novel called abide with me by Elizabeth Strout. And it's about, it's set in like, I think 1959 or something. And it's about a kind of a small town minister and the uh, the challenges of his life and such. And and I actually still have the book here because I, I just wanted to read this little, because to me, this captures something that um, I think is so contemplative, even through this piece of fiction and what this writer, and I really don't know much about her. Or I haven't looked into, you know, who she is, but it's towards the end of the novel. And he's he, he's got quite an affinity with Bonhoeffer and he kind of, comes around and quotes Bonhoeffer and reflects on some of Bonhoeffer's throughout the novel a little bit. But then he's acknowledging at the end that his own relationship to God is changing. And he says, and he loves the hymn, abide with me, you know, fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens. And, and he says, he came to realize that he thought God existed in the hymn itself, in the yearning, and the sorrowful acknowledgement of the loneliness and fears that arrived in life. The expression of it, the truthfulness of it, was what was beautiful. He thought of William James writing that a solemn state of mind is never crude or simple, that it seems to contain a certain measure of its own opposite in solution. And it was, to Tyler, this minister, this mysterious combination of hope and sorrow that was itself a gift from God. Beautiful. I love that. Um, <laughs> I feel like, oh my, 
does that give expression to my own heart a little bit? The hope and the sorrow sometimes can pervade based on my micro experiences and the macro experiences of our world. And uh, could it be that that alone is a gift from God, that there's beauty in that? And so that's, she, is she a contemplative author? I, I don't, I don't know, but that to me is a contemplative expression and an invitation to a different way of receiving relationship, our own relationship with ourselves and our experiences and relationship with God for sure. So yeah. So that's what I'm going to offer today. I could, I mean, we could talk a lot about books for sure. Well, that's great. I mean, I think contemplative is the way you approach something. It's the way you approach that book, the way you read it. If you're reading it sort of with openness and, yeah. and, and an open heart, um, then you're reading it contem- contemplatively. Yeah. The author, that doesn't have to be the author's intention to be like a, yes. a book on prayer or whatever. It's That's, that's exactly right. And It's and, your posture. Do you think... Do you think, is it just me, but like, I, I find there's more of an emphasis on the hope and the, and the struggle than maybe that there used to be, you know, like we're, we're talking maybe more about maybe it's, it's maybe it's coinciding with what's going on in society, but we we're more willing to talk about our trauma to bring those things into our conversations and our relationship with God. Like, do you think there's more of that? Is it more being talked about more than it used to be? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question too. I've wondered that myself. Um, yeah, yeah. And I recognize that in some of the circles that I get the privilege of having conversations with that you're right. It does seem like it's, and I also recognize that in other places, mm, there's still, that's really maybe still not the way in which, um, even the belief system maybe about how God would want us to relate to God is uh, present. So I am really grateful for the places and the, um, the honesty that seems to be uh, more pervasive in, in lots of conversations, people showing up for spiritual direction. I feel like that's the variety of people and their backgrounds and whatever, who, who long for a place and really, in many ways, what they're longing for is a place to hold, as you said, the the breadth of their experience and have and know that it's okay to hold it and and that it can be honored and listened to and maybe even trusted, <laughs> you know. So. was probably something you saw in Steve and and Jeff and Andrea back in 2007 right they were already <laughs> they were already doing that very very real very authentic right yeah. very authentic mm-hmm. very real uh very open-handed you know like just uh, and, and open-hearted I guess that that way and that allowed them to be with others in you know in a way that just I don't know was such an expression of of God's love and divine nature and and the experience of what um, you know the presence of Christ among us might actually you know look like and smell like and so yeah it's lovely yeah. yeah great well we're gonna wrap things up with you giving us some you're gonna give us a an assignment or a like homework not homework that's a terrible <laughs> word <laughs> you're, you're speaking to the teacher in me no 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 homework. No, no homework. homework. 
but yeah. you're going to give us something that we can take and go and do later, right? You're going to explain yeah. an exercise, but yeah. I will, do, I will do a bit of a delineation here and just in our time and our conversation and just thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for the time you put into thinking about answering these questions and for being so vulnerable yourself and for sharing your story. I don't take that lightly. I really appreciate you mm. doing that. And I'm sure our listeners will ha will have appreciated that too, or are appreciating that. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll just turn it over to you. And then uh, I might say one or two things at the end, but we'll sure. go well, for let it. Let me just say thank you to Rod, your, uh, <laughs> your own uh, hospitable presence and listening um, certainly helps me feel like this is a good place and an okay place and a safe place to have these kinds of conversations. So I appreciate that a lot and what you offer and what you're doing. Thank you. just explain a, a contemplative experience or exercise or approach that has been I've been using this summer especially and a lot of it is grounded in summer and wanting to be outside <laughs> and also some of it probably is residue from Iona actually and coming out of a very sensory embodied experience there because the weather was surprisingly beautiful and we were outside a lot um, and I became so aware of my sensory experience in that place so what I've been doing here at home is going outside and um, sometimes I sit in a chair on our deck. Sometimes I go sit on the grass. Uh, but part of it for me is I close my eyes and I want to become very attentive only to what I'm hearing. Um, so whatever is sort of surfacing in the soundscape around me. Um, I know that some of this is uh, my own, again, sort of wanting to be weaned from words or wanting everything to kind of come at me. I, I do love, as you can tell. <laughs> um, and so something about going and, and um, giving myself over to whatever the sound that's coming to me right then. So I haven't planned it. Um, it's not a piece of music that I particularly love. I just go outside and let whatever sound is coming to me. And I usually start again with some prayer, prayer or prayer and breath. Um, I start with some sense of becoming grounded and centered in my own body. And then almost always there is the sound of some wind. I do live on the prairies. <laughs> um, and I love, actually, I kind of love wind. And one of the things that's showing up for me this summer is when I close my eyes like that and I'm just attentive to the wind, it, I actually do really love it, whether it's gentle or whether it's blowing strong. When I don't love it is when it's interfering with what I want to be about, whatever that might be, you know, outside working in the yard or maybe at a lakeside and I don't want to be sandblasted or whatever. But something in that experience of just letting the wind be then in that moment and noticing how my own body responds and my own heart and my mind respond to that. One of the things that has shown up in that time for me and I would encourage, you know, listeners to do in this is part of it is staying attentive to what the sound that's coming right in that moment. So my experience this morning was a very loud screeching hawk. And at first when it, when the sound sort of penetrated, pierced, it was, I, I noticed almost immediately kind of being annoyed because I was having a really lovely 
peaceful, you know, sort of warm, embraced kind of experience. And then the sound was abrasive and, you know, disruptive. And and because I've been practicing this a little bit, I, I, I recognize right away, oh, there's something there to pay attention to. Why is this so sort of annoying to you in this moment? And so, and, and the, the bird continued for a while and I keep my eyes closed. I don't go looking for the bird or nothing. It's just, I, I stayed there long enough. And for me, it's allowing whatever needs to surface. So today it was a memory of something that happened uh, last week that I wouldn't have named as being screeching and yet it was still, it's still playing itself out within me. And I recognized that the screeching of the bird was making room for me to pay attention to how that was screeching inside of me. Um, and I haven't even fully, you know, sort of absorbed that, but the experience of remaining there, allowing whatever surface, um, making room for what it might be that it has to offer me and not trying to force it, like not trying to force some kind of connection. Oh, it means this, just making room. So that was today's. I don't, I know that it needs some attention. Um, and I didn't know that before just being present to that sound um, opened me up and cracked me open to the awareness. So, um, and then if people want to give it a try, choose how you want to end it in some kind of intentional way. For me, I, I try to return to my breath. I almost always breathe some kind of gratitude and thankfulness for the gift that the privilege that I have to be able to be outside in a beautiful setting that has, you know, bird song and creation to um, speak to me. It is a privilege that I have. So I almost always end with that gratitude and um, with a desire to be open, however it might be that, that God is wanting to stir something in me. So I offer that for whatever it's worth and maybe people want to give it a try and play with it, let it morph into their own uh, experience as well. Beautiful. I'll give that a try. I seem to be getting a message. So you're like the second person in a couple of days who's talked, who's talked about asking, what does it mean? Like I spend a lot of time outdoors and see all kinds of things, but I don't usually ask that question. I find myself like you, you sort of mentioned too, you know, wanting it to be a peaceful time. So I'm letting go, letting go. So maybe if I heard a hot hawk screech, I would just be with it and observe it, but not take it any further. But um, perhaps I'm being encouraged to try asking or going a little bit deeper with it. What's what, what is all about the hawk? screeching or whatever yeah 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 well do you go to a, do you go to a particular place like do you have a field that you go to or, or well we live on an acreage so okay you yeah. know even just stepping out into our yard is there it, it is a kind of location that lends itself well to this oh, nice. experience for sure but I think in town, because I actually could imagine that town sounds, those create, creature sounds as well, could yeah. be entry points, I can imagine as well. But I, like I said, it is a privilege. I have to, um, I don't have to go that far. I can walk a little farther out on our property, but I don't have to. I, I can be pretty, uh, pretty close to the house. Right on. Yeah. Great. 
Well, thanks again, Deb. Really, really appreciate this time to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Let you share. Uh, I appreciate it. And thanks for the opportunity. Thanks again for joining us on Hints of Gladness. For show notes and other resources, please visit hintsofgladness.com.